Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Splash Weather Repel Premium Windshield Wash features a 3-in-1 formula that repels rain, sleet, snow, and bugs while leaving a streak-free shine. And its advanced beating technology keeps you seeing safely all year long. See safely on the road when you apply a little splash. Pick some up at Walmart today. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices. For the win! Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hey guys, Joe here. And it's me, Kristen. And we just wanted to let you guys know something exciting is happening. Uh, Obviously, the induction ceremony is happening on October 30th in Cleveland. If you listen to our show, you know that. We've been talking about it for a while now. You probably also know that we will be in attendance. But you know what else is happening the night before the induction ceremony? Some might say even more exciting and more important than the induction. We will be recording a live episode of this very show in downtown Cleveland, very close to where the induction ceremony will be happening. Yeah, so we've found a location, a venue that is Walking distance from the Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse. It is walking distance technically from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum. So that is very cool. We are going to be doing a live podcast recording Friday, October 29th at 7 p.m. at Hilarities, uh, specifically the Frolic Cabaret stage at the Hilarities Comedy Theater in downtown Cleveland. And yeah, we're really excited to be doing this. It is our first live pod recording. First live show ever. We've never done a live show. We feel like this is the time and place to do it. Induction Eve in Cleveland. Come celebrate Induction Eve with us at Hilarities on the 29th of October, 7 p.m. Yeah, you should be able to check out their calendar and find our event if you go to the Hilarities website, pickwickandfrolic.com. You go there, you click on Shows. And you scroll down until you see our beautiful faces there, October 29th, and you will be able to buy tickets. And you can also go to our Twitter and our Instagram. We will have the information there as well. We will probably do some sort of link in bio situation. 
That's at Rock Hall Pod on both platforms. Honestly, if you're just confused and you're like, I don't know where to find this link, I would like to buy tickets because I want to be in Cleveland on that night, just email us and uh, we will send you exactly where you need to go to get those tickets. Uh, and that is rockhallpod at gmail.com. We hope to see you there. Very exciting announcement. Uh, and we will see you there. Bye. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala, and I know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that is the premise of the show. But that's only half of it, because the other half is that my co-host, who's with me always, you know, she's skeptical. She's not entirely sure what to think. Kristen Stutter. There she is. Hey, how's it going, Kristen? Here I am. I am. Yeah, you've never done an episode without me, and I've never done one without you. We're, we're together till the end, right? You yeah, haven't no, received, I, okay. There aren't not. secret episodes. I don't listen to our show. <laughs> Hard to say. <laughs> I would never. And I know you would never. I certainly would never. The effort alone, it sounds mm-hmm. like a nightmare to you. Not interested. Kristen, do you remember what this month is? October. Toddtober. <laughs> Toddtober. Uh, you're calling it October. I'm calling it October. However you want to call it. You know what? Fans weigh in. Which do you like better? Which do you think is more to the original spirit of terrible puns? Yeah, let us know. We're on our second Todd of the month. We talked about Todd Smith, a.k.a. LL Cool J. Uh, we went down memory lane with both Todds, really, to look at the episodes we've done about LL Cool J and Todd Rundgren. But is it truly a Toddtober until we talk to... Nominating committee member Todd Stan to end all Todd Stans. <laughs> yeah. One of our favorites, Karen Glauber. Hi, Karen. Hi, thank you for not referring to it as Rocktober. <laughs> I would nope. never. I would nope. absolutely never. That's too uh, on the nose. We, yeah, we I live really... in a world where Rocktober is a thing. That's so, so sad. I'm grateful to yeah. you that I've tried to promote Todd Tober on my social media and so far it has not gone well. Thank you for being Have a part you tried of the fight. October? That might help. Like I said, Todd Tober. And then of course there's Aldo November. Which, Ooh, uh, that seems even more mm. difficult to try and uh we we had someone from Canada on the show recently who dropped Aldo Nova and I was like that's it's not going to be for a lot of people, but okay. <laughs> All right. So Karen, we haven't talked to you since you were filling out your ballot, That's if true. I recall correctly. And just as a entry into this, before we jump deep into the Todd waters, <laughs> I want to know what you think about this, about this class. I am a fan of this class. I think it's a great class. I think it's super diverse. I think it's, you've got the mayor of rock, Dave Grohl, which I did you know, advocate on behalf of for the Foo Fighters. And I'm certainly, Tina Turner should absolutely be in. And I got taught, look, I was fairly myopic (laughs) about my quest this year Mm because the third time's the charm. So I'm very, very grateful that a certain Mr. Rundgren has made the Hall of Fame, even though I'm far more excited than he is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Which is I I just want to say too, before, because we will, I know, be going deep on Todd is that you, I think, made one of the most compelling cases for the Foo Fighters that was made on the show. I'm still not 
thrilled about their first year eligible inclusion, but I think that you really were the first one to just go all in and be like, here's why the Foo Fighters are good and deserve rather than being like, of course, the Foo Fighters, blah, blah, blah. What we hadn't really seen before was an argument of substance, Mm -hmm. I think is what what Kristen is saying. And you, you made it a strong case you know, that that put it into context. Yeah, I mean, I still, as I've said on your show before, I will always advocate for the left of center arty guy. You know, the, actually now I have a new subset of artists that I'm going to champion. That's artists who will definitely not show up <laughs> to the induction. That's my whole new thing. Right, right. Either by prior death or by unwillingness to, to get on a plane or whatever reason. That's going to be my new thing. Right. Yeah. We got to look at the recluses. We got to look Definitely. at the cranks. We got to look at the dead. <laughs> we, dead we have many dead. categories. That in my favor for T-Rex mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. them being unable to show up, you know, so that worked out. So um, that's my new subset. Set your expectations low. So then if you get surprised, what a, what a wonderful thing. I am surprised that Todd is not showing up though. That to me was a very shocking thing. Like, I didn't think, oh, yeah, he's not going to be there. Well, when people on the committee got mad at me because I couldn't guarantee that he would show up or even um, actually produce him to show up, my response has been, I'm used to the most important men in my life not showing up for me. And that's (laughs) kind of, that sort of just stops it dead. Like, Uh you use that as an excuse. Good line. Where do you go from there? Exactly. Mm -hmm. That sort of mix of responsive horror and just, sadness uh-huh so <laughs> that's a real uh conversation ender yeah uh-huh. that's that's my uh-huh. goal i'm yeah. pretty good at those i and- mean he he threatened to not show up he had made it very clear but the thing is we're used to that type of bluster then and then then we're used to an about face you know yeah. the, the go-go's were like we don't care i think belinda even said i won't show up but obviously, I mean, as soon as they get inducted, it's it's a completely different story. Well, I think the Go-Go's did care. I think that was such a big pitch in the documentary. It was how mm-hmm. they should be in the rock. They were good. They had hotels on hold a year in advance. There's no way they didn't want to show up. They don't wouldn't show up. Right. Um, Belinda, I'm sure they would get gotten her to show up eventually. Mm-hmm. And Todd, you know, in his address in front of Berkeley College said, I've never been nominated, thankfully, for the Rock Hall of Fame. If nominated, I will not run, and if elected, I will not serve. And that's what he said, and for anyone to expect otherwise, I can hope. I had this fantasy of having this new dress and being in Cleveland, where I went to Oberlin, so my first time back in years, it would have been great. I could have applauded and whatever from my seat in the bleachers or where they stuck me. Probably better than where we'll be sitting. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You could have hung out with us. Joe's got an extra ticket. Um, (laughs) No, so I, I had all this fantasy of what it would look like, and then when it became the reality, it was like, this is Todd. Why would I expect otherwise? Mm-hmm. He never said he would be there. He never said, and even his son was interviewed in the Cleveland papers. One of his sons lives in Cleveland said, we can't wait for the whole family to, to celebrate. Conscientious objector, Todd Rundgren, who would have thought? What do we think it is? Is it the fact that it took so long do we think no. that is, no, do we think it's just not, it's the rock and roll attitude of not wanting to participate in an institution? Or be a member of a club that would have him as a member, like the old Groucho Marx thing. I think uh-huh. he was 
upset the first time he was nominated when they did the fan vote and he realized and his fan base galvanized and voted every day and they realized how little that counted towards him actually being inducted that it counted the total of like one vote yes yeah and i think he took umbrage with that and i think his fans were bummed out because there was such a groundswell of support in his fans to be inducted that now that he was finally nominated and look it took three times and i understood that because he's not typical rock and roll hall of fame material maybe because he's never had that kind of mainstream success. He's musical excellence, in my opinion. Exactly. I, I mean, That would have been where I had seen him going. If he didn't get in based on the vote, I could have seen that he would just go in musical excellence because he has also such a wide production career, you know? Such a hugely successful production career and such a, an influence in video, influence in so many technologies that are now used today that he was using 30 or 40 years ago. He's really, he's a genius. I have a thing for geniuses. And- uh, it's a real bummer. I, and, you know, the move to do shows in Ohio on and around the induction night feels God, deliberate. Look, I love the Hall of Fame. I am grateful to even be affiliated with any aspect of it is a huge honor for me. It's definitely a highlight of my life. And getting Todd in is definitely like I could, you could hang my jersey now. I'm done. (laughs) Like when the committee kicks me out because I can't deliver Todd. And believe me, I tried. Mm -hmm. But he's Todd. He's going to do what he wants to do. He's never going to be that artist that's going to, follow any sort of path that's expected of him. His career's never been like that. And the fact that he's still touring at at the age that he is, and he still has fans, and he's got a whole new generation of fans, like, I don't need to tell you. I've advocated for him on your show before. It's just, it's Todd. And I think there's something kind of punk rock about it. Now, Karen, can I ask, you said you would have loved to have bought a new dress and cheered from the stands. Does this mean no Todd, no Karen at the induction ceremony? That is true. <gasps> I get that. What am I going to do? Applauded a film? Like Other people are being inducted. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. I'm like, you're not interested in seeing. <laughs> I have not gotten on a plane since Todd February. was the thing that could get you on a plane. On a that, plane. that was sense. a thing. And I... Did you know that when when I found the dates, rooms at the Ritz were 200 bucks a night. So I had my room at the Ritz. I was all ready to go. Yo, we fucked up. <laughs> we could have uh, been staying at the Ritz during the pandemic rates. <laughs> I, yeah, I should have uh, given you my, my room when I gave it up last week. I'm not being a sore winner, I winner. guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm just not. It's just like I have to... I can't put my health at risk right now oh, for yeah. something yeah. that isn't like a once in a lifetime mm-hmm. situation. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, you've talked about how you feel like personally responsible for continuing to advocate for him. And then now you also feel in some way to blame that he's not showing up. It's just like, yeah, it's like the worst rose ceremony on the bachelor <laughs> ever. You know, it's just like, you're oh. waiting by waiting for the rose and the guy doesn't show. I've had that enough in my life. Like how much more <laughs> like jilted at some weird rock and roll altar? Like what? I let him go be Todd. Do you think if somehow he had been able, he'd been convinced to begrudgingly attend, he would have enjoyed himself? I can't speak to whether or not Todd. Enjoyed, I mean, I think his wife would. I mm-hmm. think his kids would. 
Yeah. And clearly that that my wasn't prediction enough. is that he would he would he and maybe he wouldn't admit it. I think it would surprise him the way it surprises a lot of people. The way you see Robert Smith, the king of the goths, you know, enjoying it and being kind of taken by the moment. Someone who was skeptical and the Radiohead guys and like you, you just you see that happen. And I, I feel that Todd has this idea in his head and he's sticking to some principles that I, I don't know are what he thinks they are. But, you but know, he's there in the right. Sure. I mean, <laughs> like whatever the fuck he wants to think. But I'm just saying, I, I think he's he's missing out. I think he's missing out. Probably, possibly. I can, I think his family would enjoy it very much. I think his wife would have been thrilled to be there mm-hmm. in a new dress. I think <laughs> his kids would have been very excited to see that his father be bestowed that honor. But if he doesn't view it as an honor, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He got into the Hall of Fame. My job is done. Oh my goodness. Karen is evaporating. (laughs) She's turning to dust. She said, my job is done. And now I disappeared. No, but he doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anything. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, he doesn't owe anything, but on some level, I'm kind of like, Maybe owe it to yourself to have like a night where you're getting a lifetime achievement award. He said it was good for retirees and dead people. That's when they should be honored in Hall of Fame. That's what he just recently said. Again, yeah. I'm not going to I'm sure Jay-Z feels apolog- the same way, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be an apologist for Todd because A, I don't really, we're not friends, mm-hmm. but he's the artist who's meant more to me my entire life than any other artist. He's it. And- I think the Todd fans are kind of, I wouldn't say they're used to it, but I think there's a certain attitude and a certain punk rock and a certain like left of center thing that Todd spoke to. And we all, I think his fans feel that way in real life. These, his fans are not mainstream rock fans. Sure. You have to be a certain kind of person to be a Todd obsessive. Well, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about your personal connection to him and his music and that it's so important to you. Do you remember the first <laughs> time you heard Todd's music? Yeah, I was living in Easton, Pennsylvania, not too far from Upper Darby, where he's from. A friend of mine who's a local drug dealer <laughs> where I used to hang out after school, apparently <laughs> supplied pot to Todd and his band and other things. And uh, I went to his house after school, the delinquent that I was, and I heard Todd. And that was... That's where it all all changed. And there was a local radio station. On the radio? Okay. No, there was a local radio station called WSAN. And I grew up in the booming metropolis of Easton, Pennsylvania. Their version of KSANS was an alternative AM station. And they played Todd pretty much around the clock. Well, because he was like a hometown hero. Yeah. And then the first time I went to see him was during the Raw tour. I think it was 75 or 76. Maybe it was Kutztown State College or somewhere around there. And that's when he was touring in a pyramid. And I, I still hadn't smoked pot then. So it was just, I saw that all sober. And I, I met his manager that day as a 14 year old. And I'm still friends with his manager. From that moment? From like, that moment. Now wow. we weren't friends the whole way, but I would see him at shows. And I pretty much spent my childhood going to shows in New York or shows in Philadelphia or just going to Todd shows. And there was a group of us that just loved Todd. And we'd go to every show. I went to Oberlin and he played Cincinnati went to see him and went to Cleveland, played in Cleveland. I just saw him every time I possibly could. And it was just this, you became friends with other Todd fans. And is it there kind a of name? set you apart. 
Is no, there... we don't have a name. Okay. We don't have, and we don't have a, we're not unionized. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Think about it. We don't Wouldn't have be a bad idea. <laughs> but yeah. Todd does this thing called Todd Stock. You go camping and you hang out with Todd for a couple of days. That is where I draw the line. <laughs> I will you not. You haven't gone to Todd's or you, you just participate won't camp. in Todd's stock? I will not go to Todd's stock. And if they do Todd's stock, let's say at the Waldorf, I'm in. <laughs> the Ritz in Cleveland, I'd go. A little more but, luxurious. Yes, I will not be go- taking it. They, they did one in Australia even for his 70th birthday. It's kind of crazy. The fans are, yeah, they show up. Committed. But I'll, I will say that when I was moved to New York in 1984 to work at AM Records. And I knew that Todd had his place up in Bearsville. And I knew that he went to this restaurant in uh, Woodstock called The Little Bear. It was a Chinese restaurant. So yes, I may have rented a house up there. Karen. And I may <laughs> have looked for him. Short of showing up at the studio, I didn't do that. I wasn't, I was like sort of a stalker adjacent. Mm-hmm. Like I would sure. never, I would Maybe not and quite even fully, if I, but no, you know. no, no. And even if I were to see him, I probably wouldn't have spoken to him because I would have been too nervous. Which is a nice courtesy of stalkers don't usually uh, Yeah, extend. so that's why I said it was adjacent. <laughs> but I was working with the band Simple Minds and they were making a record up in Barrisville with Jimmy Iovine and Bob Clear Mountain record Once Upon a Time. And Jim would join me on Saturday night, kind of like drives around Woodstock in my quest to find Todd. And he'd have some sightings and he would let me know and I would go rush over to where they were. And alas, Todd would have vanished. Have you met him in person? Many times. Yes. Okay. And I'm sure he's thrilled every single time. Now, does he, does he say, Hey, Karen, what's up? Are you a notable person? In my mind? Absolutely. Because I'm friendly with his manager. I've been fortunate to be escorted backstage many, many times where Todd looks at me like, who are you? Why are you here? I think I bemuse him, although probably not now that I've orchestrated his induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Maybe now we're post um, The last time I spent time with him, like serious time, I did a panel at South by Southwest. I do one every year. It's called the songwriting panel. And usually I make songwriters come up with songs on the spot. Sometimes I'll challenge them to use the worst lyric ever touch the sky i hate it with the i passionately hate that line because what else are you touching seriously Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like i loathe that so i'll challenge someone to write a song just called touch the sky or just whatever and i've had the same kind of rotating people on for years and todd was playing south by so i got i called eric and i said would todd do it and he would do it so we did it and it was one of the greatest moments of my life yeah. You're like, and you're like, touch the sky by Todd Rundgren. Now that no, I did not ask him, but he said he was not going to perform. No way. No songs. He did two songs. <sighs> it was great. Incredible. He was very gracious and again, bemused at me. <laughs> now at that moment and at these moments, when you see him now, when you say bemused, do you think there's a, an element of, oh yes, this woman again, Karen. Who knows? Maybe you know, he's overwhelmed with joy. I have no idea. It's very hard to, <laughs> hard read. to read. Yeah, I, I don't know. Last time I saw him was a couple of years ago. He played the Will Turn for two nights and I was backstage both nights. It was fine. It was, he'll do photos. He'll do the whole thing. And he knows, I've never tried to be, I don't want to be his friend. We're not friends. I think that's a respectful and level-headed mm-hmm. uh, way to approach it for a number of reasons that sh- should be obvious. Yeah, I know. I'm really bad friend. I use that to come out of 
it's not what I mean. <laughs> but you know, you don't, yeah, you don't want to be the the person who is. I mean, there should be a separation. I mean, on one hand, there's the don't meet your heroes, but it's like, yeah, the relationship you have with the music and him as an artist, the the attempt to make that something more can potentially damage what you already have. I have two musician friends that I can say, and by definition of friend is like, if I had food poisoning, they would go to the Gelson's and get me some Pepto-Bismol and ginger ale. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. I consider like a true friend. And I have maybe two musicians I would ask that of them. The Pepto test. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> As we yeah. call it. Not the like, come backstage and tell me how wonderful I am, friend. I've got, right. this is the tried and true, I'm there for you. Yes. Friend. Yeah, that's three, I, that's maybe. three maybe. I totally agree with that. Con- I think it's that way with any art or art form. It's almost because then they're a real person and like they're not going to be exactly who you have who you have this like parrot, who we all, the royal you, the royal we have like these parasocial relationships, you know, with artists, musicians, people in the public eye where we're like, we are so connected to what we envision them to be or like their music, our relationship to their music and things like that, that to know them as a human being, it just changes the relationship and there will be a bit of disappointment in, or just like they're going to be different than you mm-hmm. wanted. You're playing a, a game where the odds are stacked against you. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I, there's a lot of musicians that I've made famous and made rich beyond their wildest dreams, but there's no pretense in my mind that we're friends. We're friendly. We're cordial. I think they're grateful, some, but are they inviting me to their Seder? No. <laughs> Could I ask you to elaborate on that? Not necessarily, you don't have to necessarily say people's names specifically, but when you say that, and then I think that also, you know, given, I don't know, someone could be listening to this episode and they don't know what it is you do for a living. When you say that, what do you mean? I mean, I've worked with a number of bands and put their songs on the radio and helped their marketing and and guided their management and basically made them as big as they are. That's my job. And it's as Karen is saying this, she's literally just brushing dirt off her shoulders. Like she is. (laughs) (laughs) It's exciting. It's I love why I love what I do. And I work with mostly independent artists. I mean, I've been working, I'm knee deep in a Lumineers campaign right now. And I've worked with them for a decade and I'm super, we have a great working relationship. We have a great personal relationship, but I would never put them to the Pepto-Bismol test. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there are others like Brit from Spoon, who flew from Austin to L.A. after I had a big medical issue in April. I had a stroke. He flew in to make sure I was OK. That's a Pepto-Bismol test. I mean, that's yeah, an I think so. What a gesture. Also, yeah. it makes me like Spoon even more. A band I already liked. And a guy I already liked. I like his soundtrack work, too. Yeah, no, I love that band. But, you know, my favorite artist, Alex Chilton, thought I was funny. And I made him a lot That's of money along the way. Very cool. But, you know, we were not friends. I made him laugh and I made him money. I think that's a priority. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah. But I've always loved the ones that are a little ornery and a little, you know, I said the geniuses, the Alex's, the Tom Berlains, the Todd Rundgren's, Robert Fripp, the ones that are just fascinating, true artistes. Yeah. And I just got to acknowledge, of course, a spoon is going to pass the Pepto-Bismol test. <laughs> If there was ever going to be, it was right there, and you just you plucked it, and it was beautiful. Um, I love that. You can that's (laughs) that's going to be the pull quote for. Yes, I just I love that. 
Now, um, you know, the episode we did with Roy about Todd three years ago was kind of before we were really digging deep into the lives, careers, and, and work of these musicians that we covered. So I want to uh, tell the story of Todd. And I feel like, Karen, obviously you're a good person to be here to do this. And you know, like you already mentioned, he's from Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, and uh, his music career really started with a band called The Naz. The Naz. Naz is spelled N-A-Z. N-A-Z-Z. Okay, good. And they had a couple of hits, Open My Eyes being one of them. And they were offered a big deal. And it was during that time when Todd said, I really don't want to do this. I want to produce. I want to learn everything there is to learn about production. So we stepped back from it and he was working with the band. He was working with Hall and Oates. You know, then it also came, he had a, a minor hit with We Gotta Get You a Woman. And that's kind of when the ball started rolling. He started making his own records. One thing I did not know about that first record runt is that it wasn't at the time credited to Todd Rundgren. Runt was potentially the name of the recording artist uh, or the band really that was recording Mm -hmm. but retrospectively they now printed those albums with Todd's name on them. Right it was just Runt and the second record the ballad Runt the ballad of Todd Rundgren. Which is confusing Mm -hmm. that the first two Mm -hmm. records are essentially both called Runt One's just Runt, and the next one is Runt, the ballad of Todd Rundgren. And now he's out on tour celebrating A Wizard, a True Star, which is his most epic and confusing and magical record that has the song Just One Victory on it, which is probably his anthem, one of his biggest anthems. show doesn't end with just one victory everyone's really bummed but before we before we get to a wizard a true star okay, we have go. kind of his his breakout which is something anything mm-hmm. which has a lot of the songs on it that if people are a fair weather todd fan or they they think they know todd that is what they probably know because it's got hello it's me on it hello which did originate as a song from the Naz. So there is a different version that had been recorded in, in the 60s. It's very slow. Hello, it's me. And then Something Anything is a double album. And it has got all kinds of, you know, there's a track where he's just talking about the types of production noises you might hear on an album or, or this and that. And, and it's got these ballads on it too, that I, I think is what brought in kind of the radio listener, but then it, what it attempts to do is not the typical pop record. He's never made typical pop records. And right. then, and then Utopia comes in, which is this more prog side rock band. One of my favorite records is Utopia Another Live 1974, a concert, I believe, in Central Park. And every song is like 400 minutes long. And it is so, it's completely prog, it's completely out there, and it is so great. (laughs) 
Yeah. And so it, it seems as though Todd, we see it now with the rock hall and you've kind of alluded to it. Todd does not want to go where people are expecting him to go. And, you know, something, anything is this big breakout. Um, mm-hmm. And it has songs like I saw the light on it. Really, almost Carol King esque, Laura Nero esque, mm-hmm. three minute song. Which he cites as big. Laura Nero was a huge influence on mm-hmm. him. Yeah, and he talks about how he heard Laura Nero for the first time and was like, oh, well, that's how I have to write songs now. I'm abandoning whatever it is I was doing before, and this is the way it'll happen. And he got a lot of attention for that and, and was, he, he did not care for being called the male Carol King and being called a singer songwriter. He wanted to be so much more than that. So after something, anything, he leans into the weirdness with a wizard, a true star, and then with the band Utopia. So a wizard, a true star, let's, let's kind of talk about what that album is because it's almost like a suite parts of it. Like it, it, the songs themselves are like snippets, like a minute that then, Right. Transitions into the next thing. And, you know, they didn't release any singles because it it had to be in the context of this longer kind of. Have you ever seen the original album? It was die cut. So the four corners were cut out with a filigree design. It's pretty awesome. The physical thing itself is not a rectangle. No. And it's got song titles such as Just Another Onion Head. It was not a typical. And then he'd go into Never Never Land from Peter Pan. It's all over the place and it's just a lot of fun. And was not well, I mean, it got mixed reviews at the time. After Something Anything was such a critically beloved album, A Wizard of True Star was more challenging and some critics understood that others did not over time though, it has been kind of embraced as uh, you know, I think that the term like bedroom artists, like that type of thing, it feels like a, a prototype of, of that thing. But it's also someone who was so advanced in the studio and he decided to basically put every trick he knew on this record. Mm-hmm. So to say it's a pastiche is a kind way, but it's just all <laughs> over the place. And I think it's a record he's probably the most proud of because this is the, he's touring on it now where they do the entire album. And he's d- did that before about 12 years ago. So I haven't seen him do that multiple performances of other records. My question about a oh, wizard, Quickly, a true star. Can I, oh. can I just say, w- let's continue this discussion after we take a quick break. Uh, and we will keep diving deep into Todd, but we will be right back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, you discovered the secret to uh, one of your followers. Yes. (laughs) That person who follows you on Twitter or Instagram, where do they come from? You found the answer and you're now at peace. Congratulations. Uh, so let's let's jump back into we're kind of going through the the albums uh, of Todd Rundgren. We talked about 
something, anything, and then a wizard, a true star. And Kristen, I, I believe you had a question about a wizard, a true star. My question is just, do you think that this was meant to almost like find the true fans, like a bit of a, a litmus test in a way it was like, oh, if you liked these three minute Carol King style songs, let's see if you can hang on through this pastiche of, of recording techniques. No, I think Todd is his own muse. And I think Todd does whatever Todd is drawn to do at any given moment. I don't think he's thinking about the fans. And I think at this point in particular, he was taking a good amount of psychedelic drugs, which was probably the real motivator for what it is that he wanted to express on A Wizard of True Star. A true artist, they create because they have to create. And whatever is in their head, you know, it's not like his ear got cut off and he's making, he's in this whatever blue period. This is, Todd was drawn to what Todd's drawn to. And one thing that your audience might be interested in, the song that International Feel from Wizard of True Star, a stellar version was done by Tame Impala. When I worked with Tame Impala, a couple of their records, that's how we bonded was on Todd. Oh, wow. That's really cool. And Todd did a um, mix of the song Elephant. And I, I think that's the a Wizard of True Star is the album that a lot of artists like Tame Impala, like Trent Reznor, they point to as being... I don't know if you want to call it template, but like this was a cool thing and I it's inspiring. Yeah, and also it's freeing to be able to make those kinds of records on your own terms. He wasn't at the mercy of any record company. He just did what he was going to do. No one was saying you have to have another hit. Or maybe they were hoping for it, but he just did what he what he wanted to do. And it's also the 70s, so it was a very different vibe back then. You know, sort of the beginning, you know, the album rock was very popular. Album, mm -hmm. you know, It's just people listen to albums. Yes, yeah. And he, to be clear, he's doing a lot of this recording and instrumentation completely by himself. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe early on those albums, he was still kind of doing it, but maybe he wasn't doing the drums or the bass. But at this point, he is covering all the basses, you know, which is something that we would see a lot with artists down the line. I'm thinking of Prince in particular, but he is banging on the drum all day. He is also <laughs> strumming on the guitar all day. Yes, he he is. That's uh -huh. the song that all Todd fans hate. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though it bought him his place in Hawaii. How many artists have had the career freedom? How many, mm -hmm. I mean, he's been doing this since the sixties to just follow his own inspiration and not play that game. He's been successful by not, he's never pandered to anyone ever. And I know he has mentioned that he has also never had to worry necessarily about making a, a hit single or making music that's going to sell because he had such a lucrative production career. That alone was enough to put food on the table. So he really is free to express whatever it is he wants to express on his own albums. That's a great career. That's the reason to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And we've talked before about the musical excellence category, which is meant 
for people like Todd, but also as we're seeing this year, the musical excellence category is also clearly also means a lot of other things too now. Yeah. Artists that can't get in the traditional way. I, I think it was clear that even if it took a few times, Todd was going to get in the traditional way. It sort of feels like a consolation prize or the voters are too stupid to acknowledge why this artist should be. Yeah, it's like either the voters just don't get it and they just, we've got to get this person in somehow or it can feel in a way like a slight or something. But I, to me, there are many people who I think that their career is almost just like too varied to just be considered a performing artist. And Todd might be one of those people. Well, I'm grateful that he was... That he went in through the front door. Yeah, I'm grateful. (laughs) I may never have another artist get in again, but right now I will. I think, hey, with, with us backing you, with yeah. our partnership, that yeah, well. the, exactly. That we go really well. Uh, so you're expecting the Joy Division and uh, Cool and the Gang nominations next yeah. year. I hey. mean, it's I a little know. early, but you said it, not me. The full force of the who cares? The who way, cares? High. Been my entire career. I work with these artists and the ones that deal with the big TikTok artists and everything. I said, and I'll say, here's what this artist did this week, and my boss will literally say, "Who cares?" It's the name of the game. <laughs> yep. The name of the show and the name of the game. (laughs) So after A Wizard of True Star, you've got the Todd double album, which has A Dream Goes On Forever on it. And Sons of 1984 is also on the Todd album, and that's a big, big live anthem. For Todd fans, it's a big song. And that album came with a poster. And you could have mailed in a postcard and have your name on the Todd poster. Right. From the last album, the album before said, hey, do you you want your name on the next one? My name is on the Todd poster. (gasps) What does this poster look like? It's his face. It's the cover of the Todd album. And little tiny, tiny, tiny names. That's great. Where is your name at? It's actually the problem with mine is that it's like white on white. So it's, Ah. it's, I think I'm on a shoulder. I haven't seen the poster in a while, but it was a really big deal when that, I remember going to a listening booth in the Palmer Park Mall in Easton, Pennsylvania, when that record came out and getting my copy of it. Yeah. And you just sent a postcard. Did you have to send anything else? No. Okay. So this is just all fans and I love that. And so then around this time is when the Utopia stuff is happening. He starts this separate band that is Prague rock. Like you've mentioned, a lot of songs that are very long, sprawling, noodling, etc. <laughs> and some hits too. He, there was an album, a Utopia album called Oops, Wrong Planet that had legit hits on it. just some 70s prog naming of an album oops wrong planet i just i love it i think it's just wow it's like say it's the 70s and you're a prog band without saying it's the 70s and you're a prog band (laughs) the title of our album is oops wrong planet I see. For someone my age, I was like 13, 14, 13, 14. That, that was big stuff. Pretty exciting to have your mind expanded that way. Yeah. And the Utopia was kind of happening concurrently with his solo career. I mean, then there was the Faithful album, which is a cover. Yes. I mean, half of it is 
originals, then half of it is just wacky. It's just covers. So and covers that are meant to be faithful. You know, as the album title says, trying to be as close to the original. Um, and that's got, you know, good vibrations on it. But then there were songs like Black and White. Love of the Common Man. Verb to love. Those are classic Todd songs. Then that's from the side of the album that is original Todd stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we get to Hermit of Mink Hollow. Oh, that was such a big record. We have Can We Still Be Friends on this. Which was a, a huge hit and a ballad. You know, mm-hmm. he had been kind of off experimenting with Utopia, and this is, a, you could call it a return to, to form to some degree. Oh my God, Todd fans love this album. They just do. It was such a big deal to have those songs. There's so many beautiful songs on it, and then some wacky ones too, but such a classic record. You could play Hermit for anyone, and they'll get it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it's a, not like an inaccessible or particularly. I mean, there's goofy songs like Onomatopoeia, which is a song about Onomatopoeia. Which sounds like something Weird Al would do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, but there's a song in it called Lucky Guy, which is just a beautiful love song. Seems like he never has to try. You just must be a lucky guy. Fade Away is another gorgeous love song. Flawless. It was just such a great record. We were all very happy about that when that came out. And the Todd was everywhere again. And that was yeah. then after that was Back to the Bars. Back to the Bars, yeah. Which is a live record and had some guests on it. And I know every word of that record front to back. A lot of it was recorded in Cleveland, Ohio. And so at the Agora, right? Yeah, at the Agora. And that was part of why it would have been cool for Todd to be in Cleveland. Todd was yeah. so big in Cleveland. Right, right. He could play multiple nights in arenas. He was so big. And that's when I got to Oberlin and every I found all these other Todd fans and some of them were locals. And it was just so exciting. Uh-huh. There were people <laughs> that I could talk to about Todd. And we, you've got Hall and Oates doing backup vocals on Hello, It's Me. And mm-hmm. uh, I think you got Stevie Nicks also doing... very classic live record and that was a time when everybody loved live records it wasn't quite Frampton Comes Alive all right so you know after Back to the Bars we've got an album called Healing that's a beautiful record it's a really really gorgeous record if you're ever feeling bummed out it's a good go to the gardens get high and listen to that record 
or in my case, not get high, you know, I'll pop an Excedrin <laughs> migraine and <laughs> the sober version of getting high. Uh-huh. It's, it's really extraordinary. And that's another one that's got like, so one side is just healing part one, healing yes. part two, healing part three. It's beautiful. You know, it's and, just and gorgeous. just long, long songs. It's kind of like the whole record is a freaking heartbeat. Then we, we wind up at the ever popular tortured artist effect from 1982 featuring Bang the Drum All Day. The terrible song. Ever oh present stadium anthem commercial jingle uh, trailer mainstay. If you listen to the rest of Todd's work and then you heard that song, you'd be like, I don't know that that's I him. will never forget when I learned that that was him. I didn't know. I thought that that was like a novelty song done by you know, some Cajun. The California uh, Raisins or yeah, something. Yeah, some kind of like Dr. John wannabe. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I had no idea. And that's wild. <laughs> it's a very, is, is the rest of the record in any way uh, in that same vein? Yes. I would say that that's one album that I don't ever revisit often. You know, sometimes this is mentioned as a uh, contractual obligation album for Todd. It was his last one on on Bearsville Records. Things start to get, I mean, we talk about Todd being experimental and, you know, he's experimented a a great deal before this and through in the albums we've talked about. I feel like we start to get into some very interesting places. I'm thinking about the next album, which is Acapella, which yeah, is beautiful record. an Acapella album. You know, wow. but not- before Pentatonix did it. Yes, they were <laughs> oh, there. Oh, dear. Oh, Jack, please show me how to spin. I want to do that dance till I forget where I am. Get up out of bed one more time. Oh, Jack, make me spin. I think there was also tours where he would do Todd Rundgren's Johnson, where it come out wearing a dashiki and play blues songs like no. or do his like Robert tour. Johnson yeah and then do his tiki tour he did his like lounge tour that yes. I saw the house of blues and that was what I love I mean I'd be super grumpy to be at that show at the time mm-hmm. but I love that he does it for himself he's yeah. not thinking about me lifelong fan who would want to hear some songs I might know mm-hmm. um He's just doing what he wants to do. And if people are willing to pay money to do that, fantastic. I mean, I remember working with the Counting Crows and the, their second tour after there was the big as can be. And they and Adam didn't want to do Mr. Jones anymore. Uh-huh. And like mm-hmm. everybody was up in arms, like you have to do that's your hit. I can't imagine ever telling Todd, you have to go out and play your hits. Right. No, he, he does not seem interested that in left that. Turn, and say, well, I will show you, I will do them as tiki songs, as lounge oh, songs. Yeah, so he, you know, that album with the twist in 1997, it's like he does a bunch of his hits, but they are, they sound like Bossa Nova. You know, they, they sound... <laughs> I know, saw you, that tour. You've got like a, maybe a tropical bird making a sound as he does uh, Hello, It's Me in that style. We went through his rave period also. There was the rave album, the the rave album not too long ago, where he played at the Roxy and it was 
backup dancers. I don't think there were any other musicians, maybe one or two musicians. And it was just one dance on, rave song after the next. It's the tum, tum, tum beat of a medicine man driving spirits back to a rhythmless land. Huh. Now, Karen, I know yeah, that's what I, that was going to be my question. Now, you are tried and true through and through blue uh, mm-hmm. Todd fan. When you saw the Tiki tour or when you saw the rave tour, were you like, all right, my guy, I'll, I'm sticking with you. I can find a way to enjoy this. Or were you like, I do genuinely enjoy this. Or were you like, okay, I'm just going to hang in there until the next tour. The Todd fanatics will say Todd is God. That was just one of those easy things to say in the seventies. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It rhymes and catchy. It, yeah. And it's like one of those things where if you believe, and I don't because I'm an agnostic that God challenge gives you the challenges that you can handle. And I kind of feel like he's testing us. Oh my God. <laughs> big, massive test. Who's and it was hang? then Todd exactly. tested us. Yes. And who can hang in? Who's like a exactly. true believer? Exactly. Oh my and, gosh. In Todd, we trust. Be, and so becomes something that you talk about later as either a traumatic experience that you got through <laughs> or a, just another piece of Todd, the nuance of Todd Rundgren, another part of the, his nuance. And I've seen every single tour since 1975 or whatever. And it's been interesting. And I think yeah. I'm just grateful. Anytime he plays live, I'm just like, this is fantastic. And sometimes he, as he were a deity, rewards us with a greatest hits tour. Isn't that nice? I know all these songs. This is fantastic. I know all the like hand movements for Just One Victory. I know the whole thing. Wait, what are the hand movements to Just One Victory? Is it the sign language? Just One Victory and we're on our way. Pray it for all day. Okay. Fight for it all night. So we're just one victory. It will be all right. You throw up the the one with your finger and then a V V. with the two fingers and then the praying hands and And the boxing with the fighting. Just one victory. It'll one be all right. And then an okay. <laughs> and then okay. Or a you got to be, car- you gotta be careful. Yeah, yeah. Okay. These days. Yeah, I know. So that's why I did the thumbs up. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, there's a rounds in Todd Rundgren's songs. You know, like in just one victory, there's a round. Interesting. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it, there's a lot of audience participation. If you're in the, it's kind of like going to see Rocky Horror. Wow. Those hmm. who know, know. I bring rice and some newspapers. I'm in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's no virgin. So he has always been consistent in putting out albums. You know, in the late 80s, there's Nearly Human and 91, there's Second Wind. Those albums contain songs from, and I thought this was interesting, uh, Up Against It, which is something that I did not know right. about. Right, he's going to do the show with the Joe Morton, adapt the Joe Morton play. Yeah, and I didn't know about, you know, this guy named Joe Orton had written this screenplay that he wanted to be the movie follow-up to help for the Beatles. Uh, They were not interested. And, you know, it kind of sat around for a little bit. The story of Joe Orton uh, is a tragic one because they were going, he and his partner were going to pitch this to Richard Lester, the guy who directed, you know, a hard day's night. And the chauffeur found the, the both of them dead. Joe had been like, bludgeoned to death with a hammer by his partner and his partner had then killed himself. And so there's been this kind of text, this up against it thing that has existed 
and Todd wrote some songs for like a musical stage play for this. And some of those songs have been sprinkled out throughout his albums around this period. The Nearly Human record he revisited last year when he did the tour. It was the virtual tour. They based themselves Mm -hmm. in Chicago and they did, however, 20 some shows that they'd focus in a different night, a different city every night. So Mm -hmm. they would do it in that time zone. And I think I saw 18 of the shows. I remember seeing the Nearly Human tour when it first happened, but it's really exciting. I mean, there's that song, One of a Nail, which was sort of a minor hit that had Bobby Womack on it. It's really a great album. Really, I mean, I was happy to hear those songs every night. It was fantastic. Would he play a different set list every night during that virtual tour? No, the story? same set list. But the, it was city specific. It was to their time zone. And there would be like backstage, there would be food from that city or mm-hmm. some sort of acknowledgement of that city. And, and his wife was one of the backup singers and dancers. There were three of, and it was just, especially in that part of that pandemic around, you know, that's how I spent my Valentine's Day was watching Todd. It was very cathartic to be able to have that, Thing to look forward to in almost every night yeah to have a Todd show and every show was slightly different and even when it wasn't like I by the end of it I knew all the choreography and you could be sort of on the background zoom that they had like the other people could be I mean I was on screen a couple nights mm-hmm. wearing my Todd sweatshirt and just mm-hmm. uh, which we know out, on, on this show we've out. seen yes I'm gonna only wear Todd clothing on uh, when I do we, this you've got a t- you've got a t-shirt on at the moment yeah, I do this it's, <laughs> it's from uh hermit and the fact that they figured out how to do that and take care of their fans mm-hmm. it's pretty cool he didn't have to leave hawaii to do that to go spend a couple of weeks in chicago in, in the dead of winter and why <laughs> exactly why i wouldn't go to chicago in the dead of winter sort of in the height of the pandemic i mean i'm sitting there recovering from covid thank grateful that i i'm going to be stuck in bed listening and then i can watch a tot show yeah it was really cool. And I bought tickets for a bunch of friends mm-hmm. and everybody kind of, they dug it, even the people that weren't Todd fans. Yeah. It's one of the more interesting things that an artist did over the pandemic. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we were all forced to adapt, a lot of people just, you know, took a break, which is understandable, but this is one of the more interesting things uh, that I think we experienced. Um, I would like to talk about TRI. No. Capital T, Can we not? capital what, R, what is hyphen, lowercase i. That's when I met him. Oh, yeah? I met him during that. I mean, I met him as like a kid at, at big shows going, ha, ha, ha. He was like, hi, whatever. But as um, a, an industry. As an industry person, he came to my office when TRI was out. And he had those sunglasses where one is like horizontal and one's vertical. Like the ovals are just. Yeah. Uh, really hard to look so at. So and- to, to let people know what we're referring to, there was an album in 1993 called No World Order, and it was meant for the Philips CDI. You could also put it into your home computer. Wait, and- what is the Philips CDI? The Philips CDI was a gaming device type thing, the compact disc interactive Yeah, it was new technology. So you put this CD in and you get to 
interact with the music. You have like an interface and there's over like 900 four bar segments that you can click around. I watched a video, it's on YouTube of Todd demonstrating the technology. It's very convoluted. If you do nothing, you just hear the album the way Todd would do it. But that's not the point. You can also click like, oh, how would Jerry Harrison from Talking Heads have this album? But you can also just be like, wait, I'm sorry, hold tight. So <laughs> I, I'm just because this sounds kind of interesting and very similar to some things that currently have like remix software mm-hmm. almost, or like, you know, yeah. letting the fans remix a thing or whatever kind of stuff yeah. that was happening in the it's, 90s, it's, 2000s. Yeah, it's not unlike that, but I think before that we really had like the language and maybe the technology to pull it off in a smooth way. But also it was including what other people's remixes would have been as well. Okay. John Wass was one of them. And you could, yeah, obviously speed up the tempo, change the mood, make the mix more sparse. You know, there's a lot of things. For his fans, for his fans that are like the muso nerds that love that stuff and that are think of Todd as a producer first. And it's, there's no, or there's no specific order that you can listen to at all. You know, No World Order is the name of the album. That's what that is referring to. It's a different experience every time, depending on how you want to do it. It was challenging. I was sober by then and I didn't enjoy it as much. (laughs) (laughs) And then he has a second TRI album called The Individualist from 1995, which Mm. is less that, but still has some elements. You still put it in your computer. You can play a, basically a game to uh, one of the songs. The I stands for interactive, I believe. So <laughs> it was still an interactive release. It's an interesting time. And like, those are swings. Those are those are really yeah. crazy swings to do as an artist. I think it's cool. But yeah, did it grab me? No. Yeah, there's also a, a, a good amount of like Todd rapping on these. No. Yeah, that's not good. Let me tell you about the new world order. Not the kind to make you run for the border. It's a new religion wrapped in a revolution with a proven solution for your mental pollution. I love stretching. I mean, why not? Would I go to a concert of Todd rapping? I'm not sure. You, you would. would. <laughs> of course okay, you would. would. Right. I would maybe come with you because I would yeah. like to see that. That sounds... Uh... Well, he's at the Belasco, November 12, 13, 14. I'm going to have to drag you guys out to a show. Ooh. I mean, we will we'll be coming hot off of not seeing him at the induction, so exactly. we will have a Todd-shaped yeah. hole in our in our heart. And I'll be hot off of not being there. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and then, uh, I, you know, after this, we get with a twist, which is the Bossa Nova album. And, you know, we get, like you said, Todd Rundgren's Johnson. There's a bunch of albums in here. I think the one's worth mentioning, Todd Rundgren's Johnson. You know, and we talked to Roy last week about uh, Todd's member oh, as yeah. it were. I forgot um, <laughs> how could I have forgotten about I knew it's Troy. A, I just knew that Roy would go there of course of he would course. yeah that's why listen you know it was I would not go there of course and that's why we have you both it's a it's a complimentary situation in more ways than one compliment with an I and yeah. an E yes reproduction I think is an interesting release from 2011 because he records songs from albums that he produced for other artists which you know it's a it's a tip of the cap to his career as a producer 
but it is him doing the songs. like an og remixer out here i didn't know i mean he was one of the first to make videos his technology was so far advanced i mean he had a studio in bearsville that eventually burned down which is very sad where he was doing all this incredibly creative video work far ahead of its time and i i don't know if you can elaborate at all but occasionally i see little snippets where it's like todd was involved in creating one of the first paint applications for the home computer yeah. Or like Todd was involved in uh, making this screen saver software. And it's like, yeah, he's amazing. Oh, what? Okay, sure. <laughs> because yeah. he's a genius. He's a wizard and a true star, as we always say. <laughs> and deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, whether or not his presence is felt. Yeah. You know, and he, he has continued to make albums and put out music and tour the white night tour was interesting because it was with carl palmer solo opened which and if you've seen one gong solo for 20 minutes you pretty much you're, you're good so carl palmer, carl palmer is Emerson, a uh, emerson lake and palmer emerson yeah. lake and palmer yeah yeah and then he was opening for yes Okay. And then he comes out and the White Knight record has tracks with Donald Fagan, tracks with Trent Reznor. It is not a commercial record. A lot of it is anti-Trump. Mm-hmm. And to see him on stage at a fairly big venue not playing hits, I loved every second of it. Because another guest, frequent guest on your podcast, Rick Krim, was not that familiar with Todd when he went to that show. Mm. And he left the show not that familiar with Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's questioning questioning me (laughs) on my obsession with, and I remember going backstage after he played, and I think that was when I told him, and it was true that I was had gotten so bad that I was thinking in his lyrics. Mm -hmm. And granted, Mm -hmm. I had had a child by then, and I had mommy brain, which means no brain at all, and now I can still claim COVID brain. But yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to use those excuses as long as I possibly can. But I do a Todd Rundgren lyric really is my first response to anything in my head. It's sad. It's, I like it. I, I like it too. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm, I'm for it. I would like to talk now about this induction of Todd. And, you know, when we had thought about what this induction might be three years ago, we didn't really consider the possibility that he was not going to show up. Uh-uh. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens because this year there are 13 inductees, six mm-hmm. in the performer category, which we are to assume are going to be given a little bit more real estate, I would imagine, than the seven side categories, just because this ceremony can't go for 15 hours. So... It just feels like it. Yeah, it'll just mm-hmm. feel like it. Uh, not for me, though. I'll be like, more. Is Jay-Z showing up? I think so. We don't know yet, though, for sure. We don't sure. know. They have Joe, not do really you have announced... any intel? Do you know anything? I don't. He'll fly in. He'll fly out. There hasn't been a ton of information on who's going to be there, both on the inductee side and the guests Presenter, guests, yeah. So are they going to... How much time do you think is going to be devoted to... This Todd induction, is it going to get the Dire Straits treatment? Or, you know, knowing well in advance that he's not going to be there, is it going to get the Linda Ronstadt treatment? And by that, I mean, will they quickly brush past it? 
or will there be tributes and stuff? What do we think? My sense is that there's going to be someone, an artist of a certain stature, not physically there, doing an induction for him. And then there will be a compilation film. So, so yeah, obviously there will be the little, the little doc the package. Uh, thing, the package mm-hmm. that right. gets you excited for the artist. I know that Todd, you know, cause people keep asking Todd about the induction and he has said, he was like, well, I offered the hall to do something while I'm in Cincinnati or wherever he's right. going to be. They went to like a, a cut in or something, a live satellite feed or yeah. something. I don't think from it, one hour away. <laughs> it, it's it, a little it, more. It's, it takes five hours to get to Cincinnati. But the way that uh, he said it seems that they're not going to go for that. No, that would be expensive. So, Karen, you are implying that someone isn't going to be there, but is going to say, like, maybe give a short speech. I think that's possible. I've already offered my services <laughs> and to yeah. induct him. I said I would physically go. And induct him, that that didn't seem compelling to HBO. Ladies and gentlemen, Karen Glover. And then you walk out. And they'll be like, (laughs) who? What? That'd be a big, they'd be like- They'd have to do a package package on you to introduce you. Or like Andy Kaufman or someone should come out, (laughs) which would be great. You know, someone who's- If there is a speech or performance, I I have some names of of what I think would be good contenders, interesting ones for that. I mean, Trent Reznor has cited Todd as a influence. We know he plays ball now. He inducted the cure. And also, maybe if you get him in the building, you can do a one-two, let him perform a song, maybe a song of his and a song of Todd's, just because he didn't get to perform at his own induction Mm. when there was a virtual ceremony in 2020. That's really cute. You could do something with that. Maybe have Nine Inch Nails open the show. And then, you know, he's he'll be there so he can later give the speech for Todd. That's cute. I know that Todd is working with Rivers Cuomo. And How if about you're- Kanye? I think Kanye should <laughs> my vote. I'm going to give you the scoop. Kanye is going to show up. Incredible. And just play like the unreleased stuff that Todd recorded for him. I think that's going to be the induction. On his phone. It's just go out about four or five hours. Um, he's going to be some, selling some of his Yeezy for Gap merch in the lobby. <laughs> and that's You got it out of me. Here's the exclusive. Wow. It's going to be Kanye. Breaking news. Breaking news. Um, but I, again, I, I don't know. I think there's something also compelling about Weezer's involvement because we know from having talked to Joel Gallen and Rick Krim about last year's planned ceremonies that Weezer was going to be involved. And then obviously it didn't happen. And and with Rivers working with Todd on something, there's some collaboration apparently in the works. I could see Weezer playing I Saw the Light or Hello, It's Me. I feel like mm. now that Weezer, I guess, is America's cover band, uh, they, just, they just cover songs at some level of competence. I could see that. I don't believe, based on everything that I've heard, that there will be a Todd Rundgren song performed that night. Yeah, they got to keep it moving. Yeah, there's so many people to get through. And it's kind of like, why spend time on someone who didn't want to spend time on you? You know, they're not trying to be, they're not trying to get used in this relationship. They're not trying to give more love than they're receiving. I'm the opposite. So whatever. (laughs) What more can I do for you? Really? (laughs) Do you have any bills you need paying? (laughs) 
so yeah, I, I think in conclusion, likely not a ton of time spent on the Todd induction outside of the package. But at the other thing, and what are you talking about? Now you're like Traken. You're talking about Todd's package. That's lovely. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, we've long established, we call the little documentary a package. So that's on you. But I do no, appreciate I know what a package it. Is. I do. Oh yeah. I know, it's I know. Also, I... apparently this documentary is not that little, Joe. <laughs> Um, yeah, we've got a. We're getting a, punchy. Yeah, we really are. <laughs> Look, I'm thrilled. Todd Rundgren's getting, regardless of whether he shows up, he will forever be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. That's really exciting. That's something that I'll be able to say is, is, and I didn't do it by myself. I think people like Questlove were very instrumental as a fellow like Philadelphia artist mm-hmm. of flying that flag. You know, I think other people that have been super supportive. People in the nominating committee had to vote for Todd to get him on the ballot. And then people in the voting body had to vote for him to get inducted. A lot of people are saying it takes a village. (laughs) Um, And I mean, yeah, you're right. He's in the Hall of Fame. He will be a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. And when people promote his shows, if he does something newsworthy, whether he likes it or not, he is a rock and roll hall of famer. I know. I love that. And I think it will matter for ticket sales in the future. I think it matters. I think people. But those sales should yeah, go exactly. to you. <laughs> Why? I don't want. No, I'm just. I wait till you see I... the check, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I love that future generations, people that are as passionate about the rock hall as say you are, your next generation of obsessives will now know who Todd Rundgren is, or even casual visitors to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. will know who Todd Rundgren is. Yeah, even if he's not there, there is a great deal of press and visibility for him and his work. And also, look, Tame Impala love him, Rivers loves him, like Trent, all the artists that have discovered him and are flying the flag of Todd. It's pretty exciting. Not a lot of artists that are sort of fringe have that kind of longevity. Yeah, and that's beautiful. Let your Todd flag fly. Let that Todd flag fly. Well, Karen, thank you so much for for joining us in our Toddtober celebration. I hope this is annual. (laughs) We'll see. Uh, Congrats (laughs) congrats to you and yours. Is there anything you would like to uh, plug before we get out of here? Uh, Hits Daily Double is my company's website, hitsdailydouble.com. And... uh, that's what I got. Uh, well, our listeners know they can follow us at RockallPod on Twitter and Instagram. RockallPod at gmail.com is the email. If you want Christmas to see your message, you need to designate that somewhere in there. Otherwise, she doesn't want to see it, and I'm not going to forward it. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. Five stars only. We don't. If it's less than five stars, I can't stress this enough. That's a rude gesture, and it will hurt our feelings. And it, maybe it will result in the show going away forever. And do you really want that? <laughs> If you do, then again, you're you're hurting us. Our live show. Oh yeah, we have a live show live coming up. Recording, oh my gosh. Our first yeah. live pod recording is happening in Induction Eve in Cleveland at the Frolic Cabaret at Hilarity's Comedy Club, 7 p.m. Friday, October 29th. Be there. Pickwickandfrolic.com is the website to get tickets. Just click on show, scroll down until you see our faces, and uh, we hope to see you there. That will be very exciting. Our first live show. Uh, thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo and the poster for the live show. Uh, thank you to Yusuke Kim for the music. Thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. I'm Joe Quazala. I'm Kristen Stoddard. And who cares about the Rock Hall? 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.